beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. These days, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, is a popular text. You see it quoted on various Christian cards, especially as people celebrate a birthday, a graduation, or a wedding. In it, Jeremiah speaks on behalf of the Lord Almighty, saying, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We like to think that this is a direct promise from God, that he has a wonderful plan for our lives, that he will bless us so that we're able to live a happy and carefree life. What people forget is that Jeremiah wrote this text from Jerusalem to God's people exiled in Babylon. It was part of God's mandate for his people to build houses, to plant gardens, to marry and have children while they were in Babylon. He encouraged them to pray for the peace and prosperity of Babylon because their fortunes were directly tied to those of the Babylonians. Jeremiah indicates that they would be in exile for 70 years. The point is that while God was promising that he would prosper his people, this promise was given while they were actually in exile in a foreign land. The scriptures make it clear that God has a plan for each of our lives. From before the foundation of the world, God has chosen his people unto salvation. He has recorded our names in the book of life. God knows who we will marry, where we will live, how many children he will bless us with, and the day and the number of our days on earth. We derive great comfort from this, that not even a hair can fall from our heads without our Father's will. Yet, beloved, we need to be aware of the fact that God's perfect plan for our lives will often include trials and temptations. God is not content to allow his people to coast through life without any struggles or hardships. The reason is that God wants each of his children to grow in maturity and in fruitfulness. Jesus made this clear when teaching his disciples about how he is the vine and how his followers are the branches. Healthy branches on a vine need to be pruned so that they may bear more fruit. God allows hard things to happen in our lives to cause us more and more to die to sin and to raise us up to a new life in him. Through our struggles, he also teaches us that his grace is sufficient for us. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Lord's plan for our lives often involves trials and temptations. We'll consider how we're confronted by trials and temptations how the Lord supplies sustaining grace, and how the Lord blesses with his abiding presence. 
Genesis 37 ended by telling us that the Midianites sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt. Genesis 38 told the story of Judah and Tamar. In our text, the Joseph story is continued. Our text begins, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who brought him down there. From Genesis 37, verse 2, we learn that Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave by his brothers. It's hard for us to even imagine what Joseph went through. Sometimes we hear about human trafficking. Unscrupulous men will kidnap unsuspecting people. They're forced to work as slaves in some factory. Or they're forced to sell their bodies to earn profit for their masters. When you become a slave, you're no longer in charge of your own life. You do as you're told, or else you'll get punished. You have to learn to live your life in the servitude of others, doing what they tell you to do. Imagine the changes that happened in young Joseph's life. One day he was Jacob's favorite son, who held an honored position in Jacob's family. He'd been sent out by his father to check on his brothers. Less than a week later, he was in shackles, walking behind some camels, having been sold as a slave. What made the situation even worse was that Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. What a betrayal of trust. He was cast aside as if he were some worthless object, ripped from the family home and from the communion with God's own special people, sold into a foreign land where people talked a strange language he did not understand, where they had customs that were foreign to him. Imagine that was you, beloved. Wouldn't you have some questions for God? Why is this happening to me? How could you allow me to be ripped away from my dad who loved me so much? Why have I been sold into slavery in a faraway land? Have you forsaken me, O Lord? We need to remember, beloved, that Jacob had received dreams about his brother's sheaves bowing down before his sheaf, and of the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowing down before him. Dreams that suggested that Joseph would take an honored position in his own family, that he would be ruler over them. Yet in his life, Joseph had become a slave. What a struggle he must have gone through. He surely did not understand God's plan for his life. Sometimes when we hear God's rich promises, we think that his blessing will rest on us and that we should not face trials and temptations in our lives. 
Subconsciously, we buy into the health and wealth gospel. We like to think that if we're good little Christians, God will allow us an easy and comfortable passage through this life. If that's what you think, you have not read your Bible well. God has promised us an abundance of spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins, adoption as his children, the abiding presence of his spirit, care and provision for our daily needs, and a glorious inheritance. But God does not promise a life without trials and temptations. Beloved, we live in a fallen and broken world. This world has come under God's curse because of sin. As we move forward in history, more illnesses and diseases are being manifest and they're being passed on via the gene pool. We face rising rates of infertility and this causes much sorrow in the lives of those who would love to receive children. As lawlessness and sin spread in our society, people are reaping the consequences of their sins in so many ways. When people brutalize others around them, they cause trauma that can last a lifetime. As Christians, we should not think that we are immune to suffering. In addition to the trials and struggles others face, we may also face ridicule and oppression because of our faith. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Paul says that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In James 1, verse 2, James makes it clear that we will face various trials of many kinds. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, Paul makes it clear that all the temptations we face in life are common to man. Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. If you are facing trials and temptations in your life, you're not the exception. At different times, and to various degrees, we all face sorrows and struggles in this life. The question is, how do we deal with them? Having been sold as a slave in a faraway land, Joseph could have felt sorry for himself. He could have moped and groaned and lamented the bitterness of his life. But that's not the picture our text gives of Joseph. God gave him the grace to accept his circumstances and to move ahead in life. Verse 2 tells us the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. How did he do that? By serving to the best of his ability. Joseph did his tasks faithfully, for he stood that ultimately he was not serving Potiphar, but God. 
Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard. He was part of Pharaoh's personal security force. He was a ranking officer, and to rise to such a position, he had to have been a competent man. Now, whatever he gave Joseph to do was handled well. Potiphar was wise enough to recognize Joseph's extraordinary abilities. He also discerned that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The reason why Potiphar knew this was because Joseph gave a clear testimony of how the Lord was with him. While no one would ever have guessed that Judah was blessed by God, Joseph's life brought glory to God. Obedience and purity give glory to God in a way that disobedience and immorality never do. Our text says that Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. First, Joseph became Potiphar's administrative assistant. Anything he touched turned to gold. Potiphar saw that he was blessed in proportion to the authority he gave to Joseph. And so he put him in charge of everything he had. From the time that Joseph was put in charge, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. Joseph's story appears to be a classic rags-to-riches tale. It's the type of story we like to hear. Poor, hard-done-by Joseph, sold as a slave by his evil brothers, rises to the highest position in the house of the captain of Pharaoh's guard. But there's a complication in the story. At the end of verse 6, our text tells us Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. The Bible does not often comment on people's physical appearance. Joseph's great-grandmother Sarah is spoken about as being a beautiful woman. And his mother Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Our text tells us that Potiphar's wife noticed Joseph's attractiveness and that she desired him. She said to him, have sex with me. Joseph was a single man, by now in his mid-twenties. Here he was presented with a sudden, a real, a direct temptation. What made this temptation especially difficult was Joseph's position in Potiphar's household. While Joseph had been given great authority, he was still Potiphar's slave. Potiphar's wife does not allure him with seduction. She commanded him to come to bed with her. She used the same tone of voice that she used when telling him to do any of the other household chores. Part of Joseph's temptation was that she held power over him. Disobeying her might carry negative consequences. Would have been easy for Joseph to tell himself, he had no choice. 
to rationalize sinful compliance with her wishes. To give in would have been easy and self-protective. What will Joseph do with this sudden and real temptation? Till now, Joseph had used his gifts and power to be a blessing to others around him, even though they were unbelievers. Around us, we so often see that when people come into power, they use it for self-promotion and for personal gain. These days, the news is filled with all kinds of sex scandals. Even in the Christian church, many leaders have destroyed their ministry because of sexual sin. Part of the problem is that we often have wrong attitudes and perspectives on sex. Our sexuality is a beautiful gift from God if it's used in the right way. The Bible teaches that sexual intimacy is for a husband and wife in marriage. When we desire sex outside of marriage, what we're saying is that we want physical oneness, but not whole life oneness. I want your body, but I don't want you completely. And I'm not willing to entrust myself to you completely. C.S. Lewis said that to have sex outside of marriage is to want pleasure without a promise or commitment. It's like trying to eat and taste food and then vomit it up. Now we recognize that eating food only to vomit it up is bulimia, an emotional disorder which obsesses about body image. It's a sickness. We should look at sex outside of marriage the same way. It's soul-destroying to give ourselves sexually to person after person without there being real commitment and love in the relationship. Till now, we've seen how we're often confronted with trials and temptations in life. In our second point, we'll consider how the Lord supplies sustaining grace. Joseph handled the temptation to have sex with Potiphar's wife well. He knew it would be sinful to give in to her demands, so he refuses her advances. He explained why he was unwilling to go to bed with her. The first reason was that this would be a betrayal of Potiphar's trust. Potiphar had put everything he had under Joseph's charge because he trusted him. He had not withheld anything from Joseph except for her, because she was his wife. Joseph also gave a second reason. He said, How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph knew that sexual immorality was wrong. It was sin against his God. Joseph did not want to allow sexual sin to endanger the close communion he had with the Lord. We do well to take note of that, beloved. Often in situations where there is temptation to sin, 
We think about our short-term desires, about how they can be fulfilled. Often we don't reckon with the consequences of sin. Sin brings guilt with it. Guilt which resides in our hearts. Ongoing sin makes it difficult for us to sustain a life of prayer. How do you pray? Well, you know God is displeased with you because of your sin and because of your unwillingness to truly repent and to change your way of life. When we have unresolved sin in our lives, we find it hard to come to church, to hear the commandments read out, to listen to the preaching of the Word. Sin puts distance in our relationship with God. Sexual sin also causes a lot of fear and anxiety. What if we get caught? It creates shame, for we fear the judgments others will make of us. Deep down, we know that what we're doing is wrong, even though we try hard not to think about it. To cover up our sin, we also need to lie. We lie to family members and friends, to people all around us. We tell so many lies that at times we might even begin to believe them ourselves. And in the end, our life becomes a lie. We're no longer men and women of integrity. Satan has caught us in his web. He promised satisfaction and pleasure, but in the end our life is filled with sorrow and misery. Joseph was spared the misery of giving in to sexual sin, but it was not easy for him. Potiphar's wife was persistent in her attempts to get him to bed. She spoke with Joseph day after day. Yet Joseph refused to listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. How was Joseph able to withstand her advances? Joseph did not put his faith to the side when facing the challenges of the real world. He saw that he had to make a choice between satisfying his wife, his boss's wife and offending God or satisfying God by saying no to his boss's wife. How is Joseph able to do that when we so often fail and fall, when faced with much lesser temptations? Beloved, there's no grand secret to defeating temptation. Our text notes that Joseph wasn't willing to listen to Potiphar's wife, that he did his utmost to avoid her. Yet those are only external factors. Ultimately, Joseph's strongest defense against sin was that he wanted to please God more than to experience pleasure or to avoid pain. That, beloved, is often our real problem when confronted with temptation. It's not my difficult circumstances that cause me to sin. 
Others who invite me to join them in wrongdoing also don't make me sin. My own sinful heart draws me to sin because it wants something more than it wants to please God. James asks the question, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? The answer is not the impossible people you live with or the trying circumstances that surround you. The problem is that we want something more than we want a close relationship with God. Beloved, we cannot resist sin in our own strength. We need God's sustaining grace. Ultimately, the reason why Joseph was able to say no to such a powerful temptation was because of the powerful working of God. Just as the Lord's presence with Joseph enabled him to prosper in everything he did for Potiphar, so it was because God was with him that he was able to say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It was God's sustaining grace that enabled Joseph to continue to stand strong in the face of ongoing temptation. Yet doing the right thing did not solve Joseph's problem. One day when he went into the house to do his work, Potiphar's wife caught him there alone. She caught him by the garment and commanded him to have sex with her. Joseph fled. He left his outer garment in her hand and he ran away. There's a saying that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of trying to seduce her. Potiphar's anger was kindled and he put Joseph in prison. First, Joseph had been sold into slavery by his own brothers, although he'd done nothing to deserve this. And now, for a second time, a great injustice is committed against him. Joseph had many opportunities to have sex with Potiphar's wife, because he, but he had refused, because he did not want to break his master's trust. And here we see him being punished for the very sin he had refused to partake in. It simply was not fair. Many of us have faced some sort of injustice in our lives. It's often hard to take. Again, Joseph is confronted with another great trial in his life. Somewhere, somehow, he knew that God had a plan for his life. Yet this step in God's plan caused him much struggle and despair. You see that expressed later in Joseph's plea that the king's chief butler would please remember him. Beloved, in this life we face so many trials and temptations. They come in all sorts of different ways. For some it's dealing with chronic illness. For others it's trying to cope with financial hardships and all the stress this brings. Some have had traumatic things happen to them in their youth, and they find it hard to deal with all the repercussions of that. 
some struggle with anxiety or depression or other mental health struggles. Others struggle with relationship breakdown and the difficulties of dealing with that. Some have seen loved ones stray from the Lord. Others have lost loved ones to death. We face different temptations. Not only do we face sexual temptations, we also face temptations to cheat and steal in order to get ahead in life. We're tempted to gossip and slander about others to make ourselves look good. We're tempted to put ourselves first and to trample over others. Our wants and desires often take priority over loving God with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. We all need God's presence in our lives to help us withstand our selfish desires. We need his sustaining grace to withstand the temptations that come our way. This brings us to our final point, how the Lord blesses us with his abiding presence. Why does God allow his dear children to face trials and temptations in life? The Bible gives different answers to that. James writes in James 1 that we undergo trials because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And ultimately it helps us to become mature Christians. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1 that all kinds of trials come upon us so that our faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. The scriptures testify repeatedly about how through the steadfastness of our faith, we may serve as a witness to others about Jesus Christ. Yet one of the most wonderful things about undergoing all kinds of trials is that we have opportunity to experience God's abiding presence with us. We may not always see that at the time, yet it's during trials that we especially look to God for help. It's during the most difficult times of our lives that God is especially near to his children. In Genesis 39, this is one of the central messages of the text. Genesis 29 tells the story of Jacob fleeing to Uncle Lot's house and of how his uncle deceived him into working an extra seven years by giving him Leah instead of Rachel. God was not mentioned until the final verses of that chapter. Genesis 34 tells of the rape of Dinah and how Simeon and Levi deceived the men of Shechem and slaughtered them. This chapter never mentions God. Similarly, in Genesis 37, it appears as if God were completely absent when his brothers sold Joseph into slavery. Yet look at our text, beloved. Joseph is sold into slavery to Potiphar. Verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph. 
He made Joseph successful and prosper the work of his hands. Verse 5 says, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. At the end of our text, we see that Joseph is unfairly put in prison. Our text notes, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Again, we see Joseph is given more and more responsibility. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. During all his trials and temptations, the Lord was near. He blessed Joseph with his abiding presence. In a way, we could say that Joseph's life foreshadowed the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Joseph moved from the high position of his father's favorite son to enslavement in Egypt, so Christ humbled himself, laying down the glories he had in heaven to come into this world as a slave for us. As Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, to take a shortcut to hold on to his position of power. So Jesus was tempted by Satan to bow down before him in order to take a shortcut to glory. As innocent Joseph was falsely convicted of wrongdoing and put in prison, so Jesus was wrongly convicted of sin and put to death for it. Both walked the pathway of suffering, undergoing trials and temptations before being raised up to a position of rulership. God had a plan for each of their lives to use them to save his people. Beloved, indeed, the Lord had a definite plan for Joseph's life, a plan that he hinted at with the dreams he gave Joseph pointing him being ruler over his father's house and of his family bowing down before him. But Joseph didn't know what that plan was any more than any of us know God's plan for our lives. Joseph faced many trials and temptations. We'll face the same as we walk through this life. At times, the struggles and temptations we face may be intense. Yet like Joseph, we may be sure of God's abiding presence. When he ascended into heaven, Jesus promised, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, God promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's as a result of this that Paul confessed, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Beloved, may God's abiding presence give us the courage to face all of life's challenges. 
May his sustaining grace help us through the trials and temptations of this life so that we may walk in close fellowship with God and that we may share in his eternal glory. Amen.